And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMB, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. First postgame pod, Ari. Ohio State, 45. Minnesota, 31. Buckeyes start the season with the win in Minneapolis in the rain, for the most part. Uh, Twitter seemed to be having a, an excellent time watching that game play out. Uh, understandably so, I think, in some cases. But I want, I want the unfiltered Ari Wasserman hot takes coming off of this game. What do you got? Okay, I've got a few. Uh, when Ohio State money line was minus one thirty in the middle of the third quarter, when they were down by four, that was the easiest gambling spot of my adult life, <laughs> just to win outright. Yeah, you called it. You said wait till halftime. But I've, I mean, that's basically even money on the money line, down by four in the middle of the third quarter in a Big Ten game. Yeah, because they're never. I mean, what would it take for them to ever get? plus odds <laughs> I mean, they have to be down by 10 in the fourth yeah. quarter probably yeah and then right. if you're in that position it starts getting tricky but if you're down less than a touchdown in the middle of the third quarter i mean what are we talking about here yeah that wasn't i mean that was we i mean we've seen that movie a million times ohio state kind of putters around goes into the half and you're like oh they're maybe they're not going to win like of course they're going to win like what what happened in the second half i think is what everybody expected to happen in the second half and it was like explosive play explosive play explosive play and minnesota couldn't keep up so yeah free money Congrats to everybody who cashed in. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think all of you also need to just, like, back up off C.J. Stroud. Because, like, there was a lot of he can't throw, get him out of the game, get Quinn Ewers <laughs> on a plane. I saw a lot of that stuff, and I get it. Like, it's been a year since you've watched a football game. It's not Justin Fields out there. Yeah. Well, the other thing about that, like, he didn't play well in the first half. Like, I'm not going to try to tell anybody that he played well in the first half. He played poorly in the first half. Um, I thought he played all right in the second half. And also, like, Justin Fields' first game was against Florida Atlantic, who sucks. If Justin Fields played Minnesota on the road in his first game at Ohio State, it might have looked like that. Justin Fields is great. C.J. Stroud isn't as good as Justin Fields. I hope nobody expects that because Justin Fields is a generational talent. But, like, C.J. Stroud had the unfortunate circumstance of being a first-time starter who had to play a somewhat good team in his first start, not the the cupcake that a lot of Ohio State starters get to play typically in their first game. And it was also on the road during a game where it was kind of raining, and Minnesota fans, were. it seemed like they were super loud. I mean, what was the environment like there? Very cool. Um, 
I I I started to feel like on the train ride over from my hotel. By the way, uh, Columbus needs to get a light rail. Um, it was nice to like drive through a campus and just see like people flocking toward the stadium again. It was really it was really great sight to see. And then it was loud. It, it was loud, and I thought stayed loud probably longer than I thought it would because the scoreboard suggested that Minnesota was still in the game, even though I didn't think they were. But the fans, for the most part, hung around because I think they believed that Minnesota was still in the game. So it was a pretty good atmosphere for for nearly the entire thing. Um, which was great, especially considering that the rain was coming down somewhat steadily there in the second half. Yeah, so I, I think that's exactly the type of game that I was anticipating seeing from C.J. Stroud. You know, uh, and we'll, we'll start there. 13-22, yeah. 20, 294 yards. I know a few of those yards were some chunk plays to people who are pretty open. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I think Ohio State's going to have the fortune of people being pretty open a lot this year as long as he can hit them in stride. And he hit a few deep balls in, in perfect uh, in perfect rhythm, uh, especially during times when Ohio State was either losing or in danger of theoretically losing, you know? So, like, I don't know what Ohio State's passing situation is, but I saw a lot of stuff on at halftime from people on Twitter, and I'm sure you did too, about if he comes out in the second half and is, you know, playing like crap for the first few drives, we got to get McCord in there, and it just, like, how far removed are we from these conversations? Like real in real life, not angry Twitter at halftime conversations, but like in your mind, is that a thing? Like if he would have come out and played like he did in the first half for a few drives, is McCord an option there? Are you thinking that as, as a writer there, uh, or is that just irrational people just getting angry? Cause it doesn't look perfect in the first two quarters of a football game. Uh, I think it's more of the latter. It, it never, it never crossed my mind that they were they should even entertain a change. Um, but again, it's also because like I, I never felt like they were going to lose that game. I've I've seen that game happen too many times to think that they were going to lose it. Um, you know, if it happens again next week, and CJ is not you know sh- particularly sharp on his first few drives, do you think about giving Kyle McCord some snaps? I don't, I don't know. It's really tricky. You're dealing with young quarterbacks. You don't want to impact their psyche too much, but at the same time, you have to find the right quarterback. Make sure you make sure you've made the right decision. Make sure you have the right guy who's going to win you football games. So, I I didn't see anything from C.J. Stroud that makes me think he's not that guy. I, I actually he missed throws, which I was I, I didn't think he would miss throws. I thought maybe he would like make a mistake and misread something and put the ball in a place where he shouldn't put it. I was a little surprised how many times he missed throws and. and uh, that has to change, obviously. Like there, there are basic, simple throws in this offense that any quarterback should be expected to make, and he missed too many of them in the first half. He made most of them, if not all of them, in the second half. I think he had like one kind of like ground ball to Garrett Wilson that I think was in the second half. But, but otherwise, I think he did what he exactly and the Olave interception that was in the first half. Yeah, that was in the um, first half. Yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise, I, I, I thought he did exactly what he's supposed to do in the second half, which is just like put the ball in the hands of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Trey Henderson and Mayan Williams and whoever else and like let them do the work. Uh, they had 200, 296 passing yards and 216 of them were after the catch. So like and, and you you saw that play out, but I did think he threw it well and like the 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 first touchdown to Chris Olave where he like put that ball over to the defender that kind of undercut the route. That was a great throw. Um, like back across the field off off a play action rollout. I thought that was an awesome throw. And even his his long touchdown to Garrett Wilson, like Garrett Wilson created separation because Minnesota, for some reason, tried to cover him with a safety. But that's still not an easy throw. Like Garrett Wilson didn't have to break stride. Chris or, or C.J. Stroud kind of put it right on him where it needed to be so Garrett Wilson could just catch it and continue walking into the end zone. And, and that's some of the stuff that those receivers talked about, how good and accurate he is with his deep ball. And, and I was glad we got to see that in the second half because in the first half it, it was a little shaky. Um, although I will say I th- Garrett Wilson probably should have caught that first one too. Um, I thought that was, was a good ball. It was a little – like he had to jump to catch it, but he's done that before, so I think it's fair to expect it of him. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I thought CJ settled in. I, I was glad to see that he was willing to run because I think that's important. Um, so I'm not super alarmed by him. I think it was first guy, first start, first game jitters in the first half. And and I feel like I saw enough in the second half to, to think that he'll he'll settle in and continue to kind of build on top of that. Uh, when you like look at exactly uh, the way that things played out from a depth standpoint, I think this was the angle of your story. But did you yeah. find Ohio State's first half plan from a who's playing standpoint odd? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I okay. Think, yeah. I think everybody did. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I, it was mostly on defense, but it was true on offense too. But I, I can't recall seeing Ohio State play that many guys who I would consider backups that early in the game. In my, this is my seventh year covering Ohio State. During a time in which you're on the road in a Big Ten game and an opener when the game's in question. Right. I asked Ryan Day, I like, I, I kind of stopped short of this, but I basically asked him, like, were you guys holding tryouts <laughs> like against Minnesota on national television? Uh, and he said, like, well, a lot of the battles in camp were so close that when they're that close, you just give everybody a shot to play and maybe we'll narrow it down moving forward. And I was like, all right, but like you were playing dudes who shouldn't have been out there. And, and those dudes, many, not many of them, but some of them are making mistakes that led to uh, touchdowns for Minnesota. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know what it's like for most people, but you know, defensively, it's really hard to keep up with personnel on TV because it's happening very quickly. And like, it just like, on one of the touchdowns, like, oh, Legend of Cavazos is playing. Okay, I didn't realize that until after they showed the replay. And it's just like, not to pick on people, but it is very early in the season in a very critical situation in the red zone or on the edge of the red zone when your 10-point lead evaporates to for that to be the situation. Now, I understand that Cam Brown didn't play. Uh, I understand that, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to be back next week. Yeah, seven but, banks in the play either. Yeah. So, like, you're in a position where you have to play who you have, uh, and things like that are going to happen. But I don't know, especially on offense, I felt like the running back thing was a waste of time. Yeah, like, for, for Mayan Williams to have a 71-yard touchdown and then, like, not touch the ball again for what was, like, 20 minutes of game time. <laughs> and part of that, like, Minnesota's playing ball control, obviously. But it was like he had that 71-yard touchdown and then didn't touch the ball again until there were three minutes left in the second quarter. I don't hate that. I don't think he should touch the ball that much at all moving forward. Uh, no, I, I mean, I do. I, I do. But I, I think he should be going. the second I most. Yes, I know where you're going with it. I agree. Yeah. I don't know how much, how long it takes for you to identify who the best player is, but I, I'm there. It took me one carry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like he's fast as hell. And I think on that swing route that he just shot up the center of a defense in a very critical time in the game is proof of that. He ran past everybody. He's strong, and he runs with power. I would hand that kid the ball 80% of the time moving forward and not ever think about it again. Uh, I'm 100% there with you. He had His first carry was for 10 yards. It was on an like on a, a, a outside zone run, and I didn't think it was blocked fine. It wasn't blocked great. Like He had to make a little something out of it. And he found the perfect spot to go. He got through it quickly. He ran 10 yards. He lowered his pads, and then he ran over the defender. And then uh, later in the game, it might have even been the next series, uh, Mayan Williams had a similar play, and he got tracked down from behind and got tackled for a loss. And it was like a reminder, like, I like Mayan Williams a lot. I think he's got really good balance. He's powerful. He's shiftier than I think people want to give him credit for. But he doesn't have the acceleration that Trevion Henderson has. And and you need that to avoid getting tracked down from behind on on those runs like that. and, and like Trey has it uh, as good as probably as anybody I've seen or anybody I've covered. Who are the so, best running backs of the last 10 years? Who are the best Ohio State head. running backs of the last 10 years? Um, Zeke and JK, and then probably Trey Henderson. <laughs> I didn't cover Carlos Hyde, so maybe you put him at him. I don't know. I think maybe 10 years is, a, is the wrong time frame, but I'm just trying to keep it within the realm of what you saw. But the best running backs in Ohio State history all had breakaway speed. I think yep. that the one the one running back that didn't have breakaway speed that you can put in that category is Maurice Claret. But you look at Eddie George, Ezekiel Elliott, and those types of guys, if they got a yard on somebody or they got two yards on somebody, they're gone. Or they're at least going 80. And Henderson has that. And I think it's been since Ezekiel Elliott that we've seen a running back turn the Jets on like that. And when you're looking at the size of this man and how how powerful he runs the ball inside – the combination and the one thing that I'm not sure we saw at all, but I know is in his Larry Johnson toolbox is that he can make people miss, but he also runs with a ton of power. So like to me, I just don't know how long we have to sit around and, and, and make other people feel good. I just think if you look at the rushing statistics from last night, and, and maybe this is the right way to do it. You have to do it. If you're the coach at Ohio state, there were 12 carries between Teague and Crowley that don't need to exist moving forward. And I'm not saying they'll never touch the ball again or they don't get to play, but in crunch time, when games are 
uh, still in question, those two are the people who should be touching the ball out of the backfield. And that's it. And it, it, it's not it's not to make anybody feel bad. It's not to be an asshole. It's just the truth. And I think yeah, everybody I mean, can see it. Yeah, Trevion Henderson touched the ball three times and he had like eighty five yards. <laughs> so uh, I don't. I think that's all you need to say. Um, he, you know, I, I I was surprised it played out the way it did. I I, I figured they would try to get everybody work. Um, because of what like kind of what you were alluding to there, like I guess you're you're trying to manage the the personalities and egos in that room. I wouldn't care about that, especially like especially in that room. Like I just you need to give your two best guys the ball, and the two best guys are Trey Henderson and and, and Mayan Williams. So who do you think's like, better who, than in, in Mayan Williams Trey conversation? Trey for sure, but I think Mayan okay. is good. I think Mayan is good enough to get some touches. I think he I think he showed that in in the opportunities he's had that he is deserving of touches because he can also be a difference maker. He's better than Teagan Crowley. He can make guys miss. He can get something out of Yes, them. I agree that he's second best. Do you? How many yards do you think you would have gotten if they handed you the ball on the touchdown run? Oh, a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. Okay. I don't think uh, the touchdown run. The touchdown run is not why I think Mayan Williams okay. is a good player. Okay. There's the also another like really good one uh, for 16 yards, and I think you've probably seen the screenshot. But there is a picture, a picture from behind of that run up the gut. I think it was around midfield, and the counterplay. yeah the counter. Did you see the size of that hole? Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, I think I might have tweeted a picture of it and said like this is art or something like that. Yeah, uh, that's exactly where I saw it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he the uh, I thought the offensive line pass protection was like kind of okay. Uh, the run blocking was very good, um, and Mayan Williams was the beneficiary of that. But I, I I think a running back like has to be able to get you three yards when nothing is blocked for, and I still think Mayan can do that. Um, he can't do he's it. As shifty. Well as he's shifty. He's yeah, shifty yeah. for somebody his size, and yeah. we saw that last year. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but but I I think like I think Trey Henderson is the guy, and I think the breakdown moving forward should be like I don't know eighty percent Trey Henderson and twenty percent Maya Williams, and like maybe give Master Deke some carries in the red zone. If yeah, you want to. seven but, seventy thirty or or seventy twenty five five. Yeah, but I'm like I'm, now I'm like I'm just very curious to see who starts a tailback against Oregon. My guess is that it's Mayan Williams. Maybe I'm more curious to see who gets the second series at tailback um, because if it's Master Teague or Marcus Crowley, like I just I just don't know what we're doing. And like I hate to, I don't even really consider it criticism. It's not about those guys. It's about how good Trey Henderson is. Like we, we I, I and I think everybody else has seen. That's enough. exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and. I've got another hot take that kind of goes into this a little bit. And I was joking with uh, one of our mutual friends during the game. But there is or was, at least in the first half, a hint or air of conservative play calling from Ryan. And I know that you have a freshman running back. I know Minnesota is trying to get the clock to zero as fast as humanly possible from the second the game starts. Um but when Ryan Day took the job and he got Justin Fields, what was the word? It was ruthless. When Ryan Day first started coaching and he was playing players early, you know, you thought there was this level of best players going to play. We're going to do what we have to do to smash our opponent into dust. And we made comparisons to the way that Nick Saban runs his program. I said program. Program. All right. All right. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I don't know if this is a Jim Trestle spell, but it feels like <laughs> every coach, even Urban, who was the hot shot, bad boy, go for it on fourth down for inside your own 40 guy when he sh- 
when Urban showed up, the juxtaposition between what Ohio State was and what it became was pretty massive. And then towards the end of Urban Meyer's career, it was just like, this guy's lost it on offense. This is boring. This is bland. This is conservative. We're in year three of the Ryan Day era, and he hasn't lost a regular season game. And I found myself thinking, like, what are we doing? Why are we playing players that aren't the best at their position? Why are we running it in position? And I understand that Ohio State's offensive line could probably maul the New York Jets. And, like, I know that you take what you can get. But I just feel like Ohio State is the most explosive team in college football. And I think you probably say that right now with what they did. You know, they're scoring really quickly. They, what did they score? 30 something points in the second half. Like it was nothing. I know part of that was defensive touchdowns, but just let the kids rip it, man. You know, and I, I don't know if that's just me, but it, it's just like there's no reason for us to have to sit through, you know, 15 minutes of Maya or of, uh, of Master Teague and, and Marcus Crowley carries inside for three yards. When this, I think this team should be a pass-first team. Maybe that is an insane take considering what we know about Trey Henderson, but nobody can cover Garrett Wilson. Nobody can cover Chris Olave. Jeremy Ruckert is an insane weapon. Uh, Jackson Smith and the Jig was a star in the making. Like, this team literally could average 50 points a game if it wanted to, but they're not going to get there with some of the way that the game felt in the first half. And I don't know if you agree with me. Maybe this is hot take central. I'm an asshole. But, like, and it's a game opener. It's raining. You're on the road. Minnesota's playing in the Super Bowl. You've got a freshman quarterback. I get it. I get it. But, like, they are too talented for us to be sitting there like, we've waited all summer to watch this. At halftime, I was just like, are we going to watch football in the second half or what? And then the second they decided to start playing, and I know part of that is depth wearing on your opponent and, you know, confidence getting back into your team and all that stuff. But it's like the second they started playing, it was over. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I felt that way. I don't know if I felt. I don't know if I felt that it was conservative. I think it felt like a slog because Minnesota was playing keep away the whole time. Um, but like in the first quarter, I think they threw it seven times and ran it six times. Um, they ran a lot of bubble screens, which like is yeah. maddening. I know. Like I don't. I don't like that play very much either. But and how many times they run it? Like three times. Yeah, but like, and it's because Minnesota was giving it to them. They weren't. They weren't covering down on the slot receiver. It was like it was like free six yards basically. So like I get I get wanting to take it. I don't think actually that that is a good way to get a quarterback into a rhythm because I just I don't think that's actually playing quarterback. You're basically just handing the ball off. Um, but I understand why Ohio State did that. And right like Ryan Day called shots in the first half. C.J. Stroud didn't complete them. So I if you're if you they are a run the ball downfield play action offense. It's what that like what they have established as their identity. And if your quarterback is missing the downfield play action passes then I guess you got to deviate from that a little bit until he settles in, which he did in the, in the second half. But I don't know. That didn't. That wasn't like that wasn't trestle ball to me. I, I think it was no, far, no, far uh, removed from trestle ball. Yeah, um, but I don't just mean from a, a play calling situation too. I'm talking about a be nice to the players on your roster, who's on the field, what you're doing. It's like a whole calling, aura. Yeah, play I, calling, I mean, play calling and personnel decisions are different. And I would I agree on the personnel decisions. Like I don't. I, there was just there was too much master Teague to figure out. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, so I, I certainly understand that sentiment. And I agree with it. It was true on both sides of the ball, um, and also I think they were overly conservative on defense. Maybe they just didn't want to show anything in, in the first game. Oh, look, maybe, a blitz! Yeah, and then maybe that that carried over into the offense a little bit. Like it wasn't it wasn't Ryan Day's most aggressive game plan by any stretch, but I still think that they're going to be a vertical passing offense as they have been the last two years. They weren't really – I mean, they were that sometimes with, with Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins was a lot of dink and dunk. Um, I don't know if this offense will become that or not, but I, I my, my concerns on offense were less about the plan and more about the personnel. Um, and, and when I say that, I'm mostly talking about running back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at who caught the ball, uh, Olave, Wilson, Henderson, Ruckert, Smith, and the Jigba, it's like nobody can complain about who caught the ball. Yeah, uh, and and Wilson dropped two two that I think he should have caught. What one was a little more questionable? The one on the sideline, like hit him in the face, didn't it? Um, and he didn't catch it. So there's two 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 more. One very explosive play there that didn't go, and and then another probably fifteen twenty yard chunk gain that didn't go because Garrett Wilson dropped the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think I'm with you on it. It just. I'm not a coach, so I don't know if I'm just being like overly dramatic, but it's just like a swing pass to Wilson is not where he excels. It's not even putting your personnel in the best position to excel. 
you know, that's not the person who should be catching that pass, probably. Like, I mean, I could think of other people who are more explosive in space than Garrett Wilson, you know, and, and maybe that's a miscategorization of a skill set, but it's just like there were too many plays where it just I felt like there was a cap on the potential of where I could go. It's like even when T gets into space, it's like, okay, well, it looks like he's going to get at least nine yards here, but it's never going to be 50. Whereas other players with the same circumstance in the same position might be able to turn on the Jets or, or make somebody miss. But he, like, runs – I don't know how to describe it, but it's almost, like, slow and stiff where it's like he gets to the second level, he's super powerful, but then once he gets to that second level, it's like he can't break it down and move. You know what I mean? He's very fast in a straight line. He actually yeah. might be the fastest guy in the room in a straight line. But, yeah, lateral lateral agility is not his strong suit. Yeah. And when he turns, it looks like an aircraft carrier trying to – parallel park yeah so defensively you know they they made some plays there in the second half obviously but you're you're where are you at with this team uh they they need to figure out who their best guys are like and they were playing guys who clearly aren't their best guys um i don't i thought the defensive line was good I don't have many issues with the defensive line. I thought Zach Harrison played well. I thought, like, we saw from Teron Vincent, for the most part, what we, what we wanted to see from him. He didn't have a sack, but I thought he played really well. Um, Ty Hamilton, to me, flashed a little bit in a big spot with Jerron Cage out. I think Antoine Jackson probably could have played better, um, especially as, as, like, the veteran guy at that position. But but overall, I thought the defensive line was good. I was surprised that, that Jack Sawyer, like, hardly played. Um, didn't get on the field until the third quarter, but maybe that's because he's more of a specialty pass rusher right now, and, and that was a, a heavy run game. JT Tumaloa played a ton because he's a big, strong 270-pound guy. Um, linebacker, like outside of Taraja Mitchell and Cody Simon, I thought left a little something to be desired. I wish we would have seen more of Craig Young, but I did think Ronnie Hickman played well. I thought Taraja Mitchell played really well in, in a game that was sort of built for him. Um but the secondary has me concerned because Seven Banks and Cam Brown didn't play. And I thought the guys that played in their place uh, were, were too kind of handsy, got too many defensive pass interference flags, um, did not play particularly well. Safety is concerning. Um, and now Josh Proctor's hurt. I don't know if Josh Proctor's going to be available next week or not. Um, and there were a lot of missed tackles in the back seven. So uh, it was it was sloppy, I thought. Um, and And – I think there's a lot of people who are concerned about whether or not Kerry Combs is the, is the right guy to coordinate the defense. And uh, I did not think that was a game that you came away feeling better about that. Yeah. That one Ryan Watts PI was so early. I'm still, I can't, I still can't get to it it's in my crazy head too, because he like, like tackled him th- a full two seconds before the ball arrived. He was in a good spot. I thought like, I, I thought he could have maybe made a play on that ball if he played it differently. He might have been able to score, yeah, intercept it, you mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. It's like he, he draped over the receiver with his arm, and it just like then the ball didn't come for like a second and a half when he could have turned around and maybe grabbed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a puzzling play. Um, the legend Cavasso's fade ball touchdown in the end zone I did not think was played particularly well. Um, I thought Denzel Burke was was good in spurts. He obviously had that big defensive pass interference call in the end zone. But I also hate that play. It's like I my least favorite play in college football and really in football in general is like the goal line fade ball where you're just praying for a pass interference call because the the cornerback has like no recourse other than to grab the receiver because he can't see the ball. That play sucks, but it's just like the nature of the position. So I don't hold that too much against Denzel Burke. Um but still, like I'm not. I, I mean, I, Oregon's not super dynamic at receiver. They're probably better than Minnesota, and I would hope that Seven Banks and Cameron Brown are ready for that game. Yeah, or at least one of them. One of them, and it does sound like so. Seven Banks was there and dressed and like with his helmet on, and and was standing around in pregame warmups, but then didn't do any of the walkthrough stuff, um, and then didn't play. Ryan Day said like he could have played in the emergency situation. Cam Brown wasn't there. Um, and I don't. It, it sounds like it's an injury deal because Ryan Day said they they think they'll have him back next week. So and he's coming off his Achilles uh, from last year. So if he's not quite a hundred percent just yet, I suppose that makes sense. Um, but Ryan Day said he 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 was hopeful that they'll get both those guys back against Oregon. Can I ask you another blunt question? Mm-hmm. Are Ohio State's linebackers good? I think Cody Simon's really good. Um, Outside of Cody Simon, by the way, if that guy comes off the field for the rest of the year, I'm going to throw myself down the stairs. Well, that's where I'm at with it. Like at at the moment, I mean, it's one game, and like you know, you know me, I'm not one that like make re- like 
rash judge myself one game. You know I me, think. I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think that's why we have that's why we have a good dynamic here. But uh, like, I I am at the place right now where Taraja Mitchell and Cody Simon should not come off the field. Um, I didn't like Dallas Cannon had a lot of tackles. He also had a lot of missed tackles. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg started and felt like a guy who like the coaches were trying to drop hints at, to us like it was having a good camp and working his way up the depth chart and playing well and flashing a little bit and then I didn't see that in the game so maybe that's maybe that's there and will come out next week um, but I don't think it's a question who their two best linebackers are it's it's Cody Simon and Taraja Mitchell yeah yeah because uh, that's a that's a big deal you know, this is a big time for Al Washington to put together a, a group that people can feel good about. Yeah, I mean, this is time he he inherited he inherited a group that I knew drove a lot of Ohio State fans crazy. But like to inherit like Malik Harrison and Pete Werner and Justin Hilliard uh, is a pretty good situation to walk into. Uh, and now those guys are gone, and it's been Al Washington who's been developing these guys for the most part, who are stepping into these roles now. And I think like their play. And their ability to diagnose things is going to be reflective of kind of how good of a coach Al Washington is. So um, it's not to say that like I'm ready to say that he can't do it after one game. I think that's that's too much uh, of a leap. But um, that position, like, there's a lot riding on that position, especially in a game like that. And I think it's going to be the case next week too against Oregon because Oregon's a big, big physical team that's going to want to run run the ball too. And I thought the linebackers felt a little bit like 2018 at times. They were just like getting caught up in the wash, which can't happen. Considering that Al Washington is the sexiest candidate for being a head coach, I don't know that the results of his room have been there yet. At all. At any point. Um, yeah, it's fair. Yeah, it's fair. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying, like, the types of talent... Was pretty good last year. The types of talent that Ohio State should be recruiting at that position and the way that, you know, they ooze with athleticism across the board... To me, it always feels like the linebackers are a step too slow. Yeah, and I think they have speed coming. Like if you look ahead, like CJ Hicks and and Gay Powers. Yeah, yeah, are are like I think different kinds of athletes. They're also from Ohio, so I don't know how much credit you get for for bringing those guys into the fold. Um, but I think that I think that's true. I just feel like there's an athletic sh- gear that needs to be shifted into at that position that's kind of been lacking since he started. Yeah, I, but I will say, like, I don't know. I know you watch a lot of college football, and I try to, like, around watching what I need to watch for, for Ohio State. Are there, like, a lot of, like, fast-as-hell linebackers out there do, doing crazy shit? I don't know. I just feel like that position has, has just sort of been phased out a little bit in terms of its importance, um, and it's more about, like... Yeah, I mean, I guess when we were growing up that, like, Paul Puzlesny, James Laurinaitis, Andy Kassenmoyer, but, like, it just, like... I just want somebody to play the position the way that Ryan Shazier did when he was in college. And I don't know if we've had that or seen that since. Darren Lee, probably. Darren Lee. It was like the year after him. Yeah. yeah. Um, like no, Shazier would just like be right in the middle of the field, then dart into the backfield and take out a running back's legs with his shoulder pads in like a fraction of a second. It'd be like, holy crap, how the hell did he do that? And it's like, I think that the CJ CJ Hicks will probably be something like that, just considering he's a five star and his athleticism is crazy. Mm-hmm. But when I watch Ohio State play linebacker, I don't see that attack blow shit up mentality that Ohio State's had at that position in the past. And maybe it's being de-emphasized in the defensive strategy. Maybe Ohio State's defensive line is 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 better, and that's causing them to sit back a little bit more. But like when I think of a good weak side linebacker like what do you think of I, when I think of a will line I think of a, a guy that's going to just blow shit up and yeah. it's just I feel like Ohio State's linebackers are reactionary at all times they are I thought I think there were times where like Malik Harrison felt that what like played that way I like Malik Harrison a lot at the will position but since he since he left in 2019 the last two years like I thought maybe Baron Browning would like kind of turn into that guy and he he was very. He became a. Pretty that was good the player. hope there. Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't quite become what you're talking about. Um, and I like. I think. I don't know if Taraja Mitchell has quite that speed, but I do think he can. He's going to be a good in the box linebacker. But I I do believe that Cody Simon has kind of that upside. Maybe not quite like not, maybe not Shazier, Darren Lee, explosive, but I think something 
reasonably close to that where you're going to see him flying around making the kind of plays you're talking about yeah. down the road. So I don't know if I missed it on television, but I we didn't see any uh, Jack Sawyer appearances that I recall. He got on the field in the third quarter. Um, I think he might have. I have the pro football focus thing up here, but I don't believe it's like updated all the way, but I want to see if they have snap counts um, for the defensive guys. Because, yeah, I was I was surprised that Sawyer uh, – they haven't done for four snaps, which is, I don't know, 25 less than we thought, <laughs> thought he'd probably play in this game. Um, I think maybe it was the kind of game that it was. Uh, like I said, more of a of a run oriented game, and he's more of a of a pass oriented player right now. Um, didn't get a chance to ask about it, but yeah, it was it was a little odd to me. Like JTT played quite a bit. Um, he played more than Jack, which is not what I would have anticipated coming into the game. He played thirteen snaps. Um, a lot of them like lined up inside. They were doing some di- some different things. Like last year, when a team would go heavy in their formation, Ohio State would put like four linebackers on the field. Uh, Thursday night they were putting like five or six defensive linemen on the field to combat that. So clearly that's the position they feel the best about, and, and it makes sense that they do. But, yeah, even when they were playing a lot of defensive linemen in some of those specialty formations, um, Jack Sawyer still wasn't getting on the field. Yeah. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, this is what I love about the the Friday show, or or the show that we'll do after the game. It's just like, let's just spew reactions, let's talk it out, let's do it, yeah. and you'll go have a press conference, and then we'll talk about it again next week with more information. But I would have expected Jack Sawyer to play a little bit more, and I was surprised that I didn't even think about him during the game uh, during on Thursday night. I didn't, yeah, I didn't really think about him either until I saw him out there for the first time. I was like, oh yeah, he hasn't played all game. Um, it was late in the third quarter, too. It was almost the fourth quarter, I think, where he finally got on the field. Um I don't, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. I don't, I don't think I'd make much of it at this point. Um, if it happens again next week, maybe I'll think a little more of it. We, we sort of like remember Zach Harrison. I think that was it last year, or the year before, where Zach Harrison like didn't. I think it was last year. Like he didn't play very much at all, like in the first game, and then the second game he didn't play a ton either. And everyone was like, "What the hell's up? Like, why isn't your freakiest defensive end playing?" Um, Jack Sawyer, I don't think is their freakiest defensive end, um, but I think many of us expected him to play a significant role when he didn't against Minnesota. Okay, can I ask another just like speed round? Yeah. Why yeah. is Chris Olave in college? It's a fantastic question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think some like maybe he just likes being in college. I don't know. Um, I think he would have been a first round pick last year. Um, he's going to be a first round pick when he comes out after this year. Uh, maybe he wants to win a national title. Um, I, I don't know. It's uh, very odd to me that he is back in college football. <laughs> Yeah. So he cannot be covered. It's great for Ohio State. <laughs> I mean, he's <laughs> wide open. He's awesome. He's the best route runner in the country. It's not close. Yeah. But I wrote a story about that last week. Go read it. Theathletic.com slash forward dash six. It's a 50% off an annual subscription. You go read that story about Chris Olave. I sat down with him and watched him the highlights and said, tell me why you're good. And he told me. Yeah, maybe I uh, gave Stuart Mandel a little bit too much crap for his draft pick. <laughs> I was talking to Matt Fortuna, uh, our, our colleague at the Athletic in the press box last night, and we were talking about the running back stuff, and he said, somebody picked Master Teague in our Heisman draft. And I was like, what? <laughs> well, I told you that. I He took I know, Master I Teague like in the second round. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's Dave Ubbin. I just think he <laughs> – I think what happened was that he was just temporarily confused and just thought, I'm going to take the starting running back at Ohio State and didn't – Yeah. And it was more of a context pick than it was a – an individual player pick, if that makes yeah. sense. 
He could have just shot me a text. I could have. I could have. Because if CJ, if CJ, well, I told him at, during the draft, it's like I wouldn't. I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> but if I, uh, if I were drafting, I would have just taken Ohio State's quarterback, no matter who would have won the job, like with a fifth overall pick. And I think it was a similar type of situation. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you: Do you have any more rapid fires? Because I have a question I want to ask you before we wrap up. Um. I'll, I'll, I'm, let me go back through my uh, blazing hot Twitter feed. Nothing makes me want to live tweet more than Ohio State football games. I'm so sorry if it annoys you. I can't control myself. It doesn't annoy me at all. Um, okay, ask me what you were going to say. Uh, so I was just I was just on the radio before this um, talking about the game last night, and they asked me they asked me if I felt like C.J. Stroud or like reminded me of J.T. Barrett against Virginia Tech in 2014, and I said no. I, I don't think he was quite that bad. But there have been times in the past where we've seen Ohio State open the season clunkily against like a somewhat good team, and then the next week like have to come play, come to come home and play a a real good team and lose. <laughs> like how what you saw last night Thursday night, how does it make you feel about next week? How does it make you feel about the season in total? Like if you're if you're going to take it that far like we, I think we both think Ohio State's going to go undefeated and make the playoff like it always does like the, the what happened last night give you any kind of pause on that I think Ohio State is basically where I thought they would be a super talented team with the goods to do it but not ready yet you know which is why when we had that conversation at the beginning of the year about where would you rank them and all the AP poll stuff and all that stuff and the coaches poll like five six range was what we were saying I think that was the fifth or sixth best team in college football you know, and I also think too that Minnesota might actually like it's possible that in a month and a half Minnesota's six and one, and we're just like, oh, okay, Minnesota's actually above average Big Ten West team that is a chance to play in the Big Ten championship because I was very impressed, and I thought, you know, I, actually it's a funny story, and I know that our listeners don't necessarily care about our uh, Devi Fantasy Football League, but like I drafted Mo Ibrahim last year, before last year. And I thought he looked particularly more explosive and dangerous than he did a year ago. So, you know, they had a senior quarterback. They've got some some nice receivers who, uh, one of which was like a transfer from Texas A&M, I think, who made a nice touchdown catch. Like, they have some guys there, and they had a, a, a plan to play keep away from Ohio State, and Ohio State still scored 45 points. So, like, I know that it's very super easy to hyper-focus on the negative things. And I think that there is some negativity that needs to be addressed, particularly in the defensive backfield. And, you know, you want to see C.J. Stroud, you know, play in a way that you can feel comfortable with with Oregon coming in. But I don't – I don't – like, when's the last time Ohio State played shaky in week one and then lost week two? 2017. And what game was that again? They opened on the road on Thursday night at Indiana. It was like a very clunky first half. I think they were losing at halftime or, or was tight at halftime, and they pulled away in the second half. Oh, and then they lost they, to Oklahoma? They came home the next week to Oklahoma and lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, they lost to Oklahoma. I don't know if I'd put that in the same. This Oregon team is that not was as Baker good as Mayfield, yeah. Oklahoma, you know. And yeah. I don't feel like Ohio State's on upset watch. I feel like it's going to be a solid game, but. If they just trust their talent, they're going to be fine. And it's like, and that's kind of, isn't that what you wrote? Just like, trust your guys. Just play your best guys. You know who yeah. your best guys are. Play them. Yeah, I, I had a tweet like in the middle of the second quarter that said, I think this is a good time to, or I think Ohio State should consider playing their best players like starting now. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it's true. A lot of people were saying that. And it's like, a, I mean, it's snarky for sure. I yeah. I love snark, but like, it's true, man. There are some guys out there who just should not have been out there. And I, I think in the end, they probably did gain valuable experience, and Ohio State is no worse off for it because they won the game by two touchdowns. Um, sorry they didn't cover, but I guess you got to push. Um, unless you get to 13 and a half, which would be nice. Um, but they need to they need to pare it down. Like I think they need to pare it down against Oregon. I, I agree with you. Like they're not they're not ready yet, and I didn't expect them to be ready yet. Um, maybe they're a little less ready on defense than I thought they would be. I think maybe that's true. Uh, but part of that's too they were they were missing two important guys at cornerback. Um, but if you're not quite ready, like Oregon's good enough to bite you, like for sure. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Like I'm not, I'm not putting on one upset watch either, but if you came into this game thinking to yourself, like we need to figure out what we have, 
I don't think you can get away with that against Oregon. I think you need to know who your guys are going into that game and play them. Yeah, now they have an extra, you know, few days to get ready for that game, and I anticipate that being at home and playing in the middle of the day is going to be a a nice spot for them to take care of business. And you know, I think all Ohio State has to do is get through that game with a one point win. You know, or even then, even if they Ryan Day said, yeah, yeah. it's actually kind of refreshing for Ryan Day. Ryan Day was like, we just need to beat Minnesota and Oregon, and I don't care what the score is, and then after that, we'll figure the rest out because then we play Tulsa and Akron. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's true. true. (laughs) Yeah, it's like once you have those two spots on your schedule, you have, and then I believe don't they have like Indiana is like at the end of their stretch, but don't they? Yeah, they play uh, Rutgers and Maryland first, and then so their three game stretch of Tulsa, Akron, and Rutgers and Maryland four game stretch is a pretty solid opportunity for them to figure their stuff out and get some experience. And a month of season is a long time for development. It's another training camp. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that even if Ohio State ends up losing to, to Oregon, they can still end up making the playoff. But, you know, I don't necessarily believe that Oregon has it all figured out either. So No, and they play Fresno State on Saturday, which is a game worth watching because I actually think Fresno State's pretty good. Um, I Again, like I would uh, – I'm not saying Oregon's going to lose that game, but I think it's the kind of game where you can like watch Oregon and what you see can be reality. Like if Oregon was playing like South Dakota State and just ran over them, like that's not very informative. I think Oregon versus Fresno State can be informative. Yeah. So you know, too the the best teams in college football are the ones that start clicking later on in the season. So I don't want to make any you know as funny as I am for overreacting. I don't think making declarations of who I think is going to win a national championship at the beginning of uh, you know, the season is kind of a smart thing to do. I think that they're they're uber talented. Their offense was explosive, and there's opportunities there to do some things. So, you know, I think I feel about the way I thought I would. You know, and yeah, it's always I think, yeah. I think you always right. kind of overreact to, and and when you're on Twitter, it's easy to get sucked up to it during the game. But it's just like, yeah, they were losing at halftime, and you know, but listen, Bill. The game played out exactly the way we thought it would. Didn't we say, don't bet the game before the game, bet it at halftime when there's an opening, and then what do you think the final score is going to be? I said 42-28. What was it, 45-31? Right on the the spread. It was exactly the way that we said it was going to play out. So I know it's easy to kind of focus on when you were scared or Ohio State's going to lose, and I got text messages from people who love Ohio State saying, I'm not worried, but I feel like this is Purdue, which is a counterintuitive thing (laughs) because if you think this is Purdue, then you are worried. (laughs) You know, So it's just like they were never going to lose that game. Yeah, okay. it wasn't Purdue. It wasn't Purdue. It wasn't Iowa. They got their yeah. ass kicked in those games. <laughs> like they were getting yeah. their ass kicked last night. No, I, th- I think the the sentiment is that it's not working right now. We need to do something, or they're going to be in trouble. But it's just like I think people need to recognize how freaking hard it is for Ohio State to actually lose. Yeah, like they might play bad. They might be losing in the third quarter, but to lose. It's completely different, and it hasn't happened in the regular season since I lived in Ohio. Yeah, I think for Ohio State to lose in a regular season, there has to be like a real comedy of errors there. (laughs) And a team that's that's pretty good, and I think Minnesota might actually be pretty good. So yeah, I'm 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 curious now to watch Minnesota the rest of the year because I think you could be right. I was I like doing like win totals and like projecting standings and stuff. I was I found myself like caught in between on Minnesota quite a bit, but I think they can be like anywhere from like a six to a nine win team, maybe even ten win team. but like after watching them last night, I think maybe they're closer to that eight, nine, ten win threshold than they are the, the bottom. Yeah, the Big Ten West is kind of a hard thing to figure out. I mean, it's kind of a hodgepodge of teams that are solid but not great. And I would put Wisconsin in the in the same category. Well, I guess while I have you here, what do you think about those nits on on Saturday? Uh, what's the spread in that game? Five and a half in favor of Wisconsin. Uh, I think I'd take the Badgers there. Really? Um, I don't know. I, just, I, I don't I don't know maybe that game could be like 16 to 6 for, for all I know um, I think Graham I think Graham Mertz is good and will remind us that he's good in that game and I just don't think Sean Clifford is particularly good um, and I think that's what it comes down to so I think it'll be a good game maybe it's a touchdown game but I would pick Wisconsin to win at home in Camp Randall uh, as, as, it is an interesting match because it's like two teams very eager to bounce back from last year and show that last year was a COVID fluke and, and not indicative of who they really are. And Penn State has better players. Penn State recruits better. Um, Wisconsin is better coached, and they're at home, and they have the better quarterback. Um, 
So you got the Juicy Lucy in Minneapolis, right? I did. We went to a place called um, some, something Nook, the Nook or something like that in St. Paul. It was actually it's actually right across the street from um, was it Creighton Dorham Hall, which is where Jay Sean Cornell went to high school. Um, it was good. I don't know. I don't know if there's like different kinds of Juicy Lucy's or like if there's like a, spe- a specific kind you should get to like get the authentic thing. I got one that had like pepper jack cheese in it. And then it only ever had, uh, it only also had fried onions on it. And it was a good burger, but I like more to my burger. Like, I like my burger built up more. And this was just like a patty with cheese inside and fried onions on top. And it was fine, but uh, and it was like a well seasoned burger. It was good. I enjoyed it, but I, I want more out but of it. But is it burger, just, did it taste any different than just a regular burger with cheese on top? Uh, the, the meat itself was probably a little, um, I don't know moist for lack of a better word because because the cheese is inside of it um it was like it was it was a juicy burger um which like i prefer um because of the way that it's it's built with it with the cheese being inside it was also like molten cheese like i burnt the shit out of my face <laughs> biting into it the guy the guy put, put the burger down he's like you should wait to bite into this and i said okay and then, and then you didn't wait to bite into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it so it's my fault um but no it was good it was good i was, I was glad to try it i would definitely eat it again um, I'd probably go to a different spot than, than we went to um, this time. All right, so you got the car packed up. You're on your way? Oh, on my way to your house? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I told uh, I told my girlfriend, like, I was gonna, I'm going to get a car and rent it and drive down to Dallas so I can watch the games with Ari this weekend. And she said, if you do that, when you come home, you will come home to nobody. <laughs> I said, okay. She said, <laughs> she said, if you think you're going to do that and then come home to me and the dog, you're crazy. Yeah. And you went, where would the dog go? <laughs> Which is which made me which made me really really happy to know that you talk to other people the way that you talk to me, including your lover. So that's good. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. I love my dog. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. With, I, where would the dog go? Yeah, where would the dog go? Um, so no, I'm not I'm not packing up. I, all right, uh, man. I, well, well, get back to Columbus safely. Get some more information, and we'll hit it hard uh, next week because it's a big week with um Oregon coming into town and you know get get some context at that press conference write some stories maybe toss up some thoughts gonna toss up some thoughts uh later uh hopefully be up on Friday before I leave gonna rewatch the game and probably have something off that um over the weekend or maybe Monday morning and then yeah big week Oregon week we'll be back probably Wednesday I would guess we'll go, we'll go Wednesday and then we'll, and then we'll do post game after Ohio State plays Oregon so and then thank iron you. your shirts and even your t-shirts shirts. even your t-shirts uh, so thank you guys for listening. Enjoy watching a, a loaded weekend of, of college football. I know I'm excited to watch that. Um, it's the, the benefit of Ohio State playing. Can't wait to watch that alone. It's going to be great. Yeah, Maybe we'll FaceTime. I'll be on my couch. You'll be on your couch. We'll FaceTime. I'm going to take my shirt off. Great. Okay. That's that's normally how it goes anyway. So <laughs> I just want to keep that consistent. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.